Forest Church. We're so glad to have you join us this morning, and I wish that we could be there in person, but uh, for now we'll just have to make do with joining you virtually. For everyone who's there on site at First Church, welcome, and uh, I just hope that these songs will really touch you as you reflect on the lyrics and make them part of your prayer to God this morning. Even though you can't sing out loud, God hears that music that you're making in your hearts. For all of you who are worshiping with us from afar, well, please sing with us then as we make a joyful sound unto the Lord. song uh, speaks to the mystery and the tension of having hope of things yet to come, uh, but also participating in the messy in-between state. Uh, full shalom has by no means come to this earth, but we can catch a glimpse of it, and we are instructed to be proclaimers and bringers of this kingdom. And what's the response when we catch this vision? Uh, I think it's the same response that John and all created things had in his vision of heaven in Revelation. Uh, all praise and honor and glory, all being ascribed to God. Now, I find praise to be a bit abstract, uh, but when I, when I break that down, I feel three things. Gratitude, relief, and excitement. I feel gratitude personally and on behalf of the cosmos uh, that I and all will be redeemed. Uh, a relief that I don't have the responsibility or the power to do it all on my own. And excitement that things will be new and be better, especially in this time. Um, as we sing these songs and you are illuminated by the vision of heaven that Brian is sharing, reflect on how that makes you feel. Uh, what is your response to these feelings?
Good morning, everyone, and welcome to those of you that, that are uh, watching this live stream or watching it recorded later. Uh, these have been really interesting days we're living in. In fact, even just getting worship teams who, who feel safe uh, because of relatives and other people that are vulnerable to uh, COVID and all of that, uh, that's why Ryan and Steph uh, did it at home, because they have some people in their orbit, and they just felt they needed to not be here in person at this time. But uh, thanks to Ryan and Steph for leading us in worship. And also, I just want to mention to you, um, the mission of our church is making Christ-like disciples with a heart for God and a passion for people. And the way that we are doing that is to help people to connect with God and others, to grow in His grace, and to serve one another in love, to connect, grow, and serve. And one of the ways that we're trying to help people to connect and help you connect is we're going to ask you to help us with something. We want you to, more than you ever have, is take the initiative to visit our website on a regular basis. Just go to it, maybe on a Monday and a Wednesday and a Friday, and see what's there. There's news items, but there's events. And if you're kind of wondering, like, what's going on? How can I connect? Please go to the website. Now, we are reducing the number of emails we send out to the entire congregation because people find that a little bit annoying to get too many emails. Uh, our children's ministry and youth ministries uh, do send out emails just to their folks. But as far as all church emails, we're reducing that. But there is a, a weekly newsletter that goes out every Friday. Many of you watch for that. And it's got a number of links. And there's one at the bottom. If you hit the one at the bottom, it'll give you more information than you ever wanted to know. Um, and so we will on occasion send out special emails, maybe on a Monday or a Tuesday, when there's a big event coming. But we want you to take the initiative to go to the website to connect. Now, there's also serve opportunities. I just want to mention one. We do need help on Sunday mornings. You'll see in the back, we have people um, on the slides, on the media, and on, on our audio, on the sound. Uh, we need people to help with our guest services, to be ushers, to be greeters. So on children's ministry uh, for our WANA program, and we're hoping at some point, uh, maybe November 22nd, to have an uh, in-person children's ministry November 22nd. We'll see. But we'll need people for that. So please uh, contact our church office uh, if you want more information about that. And now there's an exciting opportunity. Now, for those of you that are parents, parents, it is not the church's job to disciple your children. We support you in discipling your children. There is a course called Spiritual Parenting. If you are a parent or a grandparent, or maybe even an aunt or an uncle. Uh, this course is for you. It's a way to empower you to disciple your own children. 
And so it's starting this Thursday. All the registration information will be on this video, but you can also contact our church office. Go to the website. There's something on there as well. But please watch this video. And then I'm going to welcome uh, Reverend Larry Dahl to please come and pray and read scripture for us. Spiritual Parenting is a six-part series to awaken parents to their biblical role as the primary nurturers of their children's faith with a dependence upon the Holy Spirit for transformation. Spiritual parenting is not perfect parenting. It's parenting with an eternal perspective. And neither does it focus on perfect behavior in our children, yet it focuses on faith, the spiritual formation process the Holy Spirit does in the lives of our children. As parents learn to depend upon the Holy Spirit to transform their children's lives, oftentimes we ask the question, well, what's my role? Parents will learn 10 different environments that they can create in their home that allows the Holy Spirit to change their children's lives when and as He chooses. It allows us to come alongside of what the Spirit is already doing in our children's lives. Spiritual parents recognize the brevity that they have to be influential in their children's spiritual lives. So this is a worthy investment and one that will pass on faith for generations to come. privilege to lead you in prayer this morning. Would you please bow your heads, open your hearts. Father God, we simply come to you this day with grateful thanks and praise. Seven months ago, we were overwhelmed with dramatic change in our world and lifestyles. Today, we don't talk about change. We live rather with routines that often seem to be captured now in the more ordinary patterns characterized by limitations the places we no longer can go to, the people we no longer see, visit, and connect with, for some jobs that no longer exist, boundaries put in place for protection and safety and to keep us secure, but it weighs heavy on many. So we thank you, Lord, for the provisions you have given in this time of limitations the wonder that still can capture us in the midst of the very ordinariness of our life today. The sight of vibrant sunsets against the backdrop of our mountains to the west. The luxury on a cold and wintry night of hearing the furnace kick in and keep us warm. The wonder of technology that permits us to see and to hear at least the virtual presence of friends and loved ones and worship such as this. The peace that comes to us in knowing that you have never changed, moved, or become distant. And so we come to you this morning to give expression to those things that are on our heart, knowing that you hear. We pray for Doug and Don Woods, retired pastor couple from, who've journeyed from BC for the heartbreaking task of watching their son finish his life. We pray for those who live with illnesses, some known to us and others who find it easier to carry it in privacy. In this, we are grateful that you are all-knowing and you will hear our prayer for sufficiency, for grace, and for good to arise in hurting lives. Specifically, we lift up to you, Emma Kawa, who this week started her chemotherapy for colon cancer, for the Harms family, for Tom Robb's sister, Marianne, for Robert Gregg, for John Boyko, for Melody Baxter. We continue to thank you for watching over our youngest members, for Emmett Reist and Jonathan and Micah Pridgen. And we pray, please, to watch over our frontline workers and those who provide support and care for the most at-risk people in our nursing homes and hospitals. More painful in these days is the grief and mourning for those who have lost loved ones, such as Dale Quance. The instinct is always for us to come around, to embrace, to give comfort, to remember, to celebrate as a measure of our own sense of loss. We call upon you to draw close and personal to those who are dealing with loss in their life. 
Father, be with our pastors and church leaders as they guide us through these new days. Be with the various ministries of our church, the Spanish, the Sudanese, the Awana program, the youth, the children workers, for Jean Strasberg and the telecare ministry that's working so hard to keep us connected in this season of isolation. We pray for those who will participate in the Listening to God workshop as well. Please bring peace and comfort to Chung Kalong and their family as they wait for their approval to move to Canada. Thank you, Father, for the generosity of this church to make that possible. We pray for Ambrose University, her students and staff, and we pray that particularly for those students as well who are relegated to online education, it's so different from what they are used to. We seek for peace and your will in the coming U.S. election and for our own leaders and political leaders at all levels of government. And now, O oh Father, we would end in remembrance of you, that it would not be lost on us how great and mighty and powerful you are. There is nothing narrow and insignificant or passive about you, O oh God. So we pray our little prayers with a sure knowledge that you can and do mighty things and at the same time amaze us all over again that you deem us to be worthy to be called your beloved, the sheep of your pastor, who under your care and are under your attention, the object of your love borne out in the testimony of the suffering, death, and resurrection of your Son and our Savior, in whose name we now pray this our prayer, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to read to you this morning's scripture reading. I'm going to begin my part of the reading in verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 16 of 2 Corinthians and go through to verse 10 of chapter 5. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but in what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. For we know that this earthly tent that we live in is, in is destroyed. We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan in our burden because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is normal will be swallowed up, what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I would say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord, so we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home or in body or away from the judgment or away from it, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. This is the Lord of the Lord. Thank you, Larry. So I want you to try something with me. Think of the, one of the best days of your life. Just if you could just think back to what would have been one of the best days of your life that you ever lived. And now imagine if it could be that good every day. If you thought that life could actually be that good every day 
forever. Would you want to live forever? Now, for myself, I'd say, yeah. If it could be that good all the time, and then there might be some of you watching this or sitting here today thinking, well, that's a pipe dream because we just know life is never that good all the time. And here's our dilemma. We like to be young and vigorous, and we would also like to live a long life and maybe even live forever. But we don't want to get old because of the wear and tear on our bodies. Like, who wants to get heart disease? Who wants to get cancer? Who wants to get diabetes? Who wants to have your memory fade and you have a senior moment and that sort of thing? Like, that just isn't fun. Um, and so I'm turning 70 in 13 days, um, and I did look online to see what they considered to be old age. What age is old? Guess what? You're not really considered old when you're 60, not even 65. You're considered geriatric when you're 70. I'm 13 days away from that. Now, um, people say, you know, it's the golden years. I, I, I don't think so. I think the 60s have been great. They've been wonderful for me. I'd say the 60s were golden years for me, the most golden years. Uh, but most people who get up into their high 70s, their 80s, and their 90s will tell you that, you know, it's, they're not golden, and aging isn't all it's cracked up to be. Kind of like these two pictures here that you'll see on this screen. Uh, yeah, that doesn't look like a lot of fun. Or how about this one here? Um, so no one said it better than the sixth president of the United States, John Quincy Adams. And this is going to come up on the screen. This is what he said. He was speaking of his body as he was aging. He said, John Quincy Adams himself is very well, thank you, but the house he lives in is sadly dilapidated. It is tottering on its foundations. The walls are badly shattered and the roof is worn. The building trembles with every wind, and I think John Quincy Adams will have to move out of it before long, but he himself is very well. I thought that said it all right there. So the wear and tear theory, there is a thing called the wear and tear theory of aging, and it just says the longer that you live, the more wear and tear your body experiences for a whole bunch of reasons, just like a garment that you might wear or like a car you might drive. And so we can't have it both ways, can we? I mean, we can't on the one hand say, I want to live a long life, and then on the other hand say, but I don't want to grow old. And that's because living long and growing old go together. And the wear and tear on your body goes along with that. So it really isn't possible to separate those two things, is it? Or is it? Is it possible to live long and not grow old? What if I told you that you can live a long life, in fact, you can live forever on this earth and that every day could be a wonderful, delightful, extremely good, very satisfying day for eternity? That's what this series of messages is about. I called it heaven better than you imagine. In the last two Sundays I've been saying heaven will come to earth and the whole earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. And you will live the best day of your life and get to experience that good life all the time. Um, for me... Growing old has not really been a problem. Um, I have not experienced the kind of uh, aging uh, problems that a lot of people have had in the sense of psychologically, uh, you know, turning 50, turning 60, and getting depressed, you know, uh, that sort of thing. And I, I don't dread it um, for a few reasons. Part of it is I'm still in good health so far. I never take that for granted. You know, it's a heart attack away or a stroke away. I mean, you just never know what might happen. And so I never take that for, for granted. By, I, 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 and I take care of my body. I, I exercise. I watch my diet. Um, and I'm not afraid of death. Uh, 
I would like to be not dead, you know, because of the fear of missing out. I mean, part of the problem with being dead and, and actually not having a conscious existence is you're like, what am I missing out on? You know, that's, that's usually what it is. I don't want to miss out on the good stuff. I'd like to keep going on. Um, but the reason I don't fear death is because I know that I will live forever in God's new creation, the renewed earth. And that my next life will be my best life. So for those of you here, and those of you that are watching, that are still young or consider yourself young, um, how do you feel about growing old someday? Uh, how do you feel about, I mean, do you ever stop and think about your own mortality? You know, that's what you should do when you're young, is think about what it will be like for you to be old and then think back to where you are now in your life. How do you feel about your future if you're young? Do you feel optimistic about it? Well, what about those of us who, I guess we'd say we're in our twilight years. Um, how many of you feel that this is, so far, the best time of your life? Uh, I, I could say, I think for me, I, could, I can say that. I've had some terrible times in my life, terrible seasons, but I can say right now, so far, it's been good. How many of you feel that you still have a lot to look forward to? Yeah, okay. Depends which life you're talking about, doesn't it? Um, or maybe you feel that your best years are behind you. A lot of people do feel that way. Bill Clinton, um, former U.S. president, he said, you know, I woke up one morning when I turned 50, and he said, I realized I had more yesterdays than tomorrows. Well, guess what? He's actually wrong about that. Because if you're a Christian, and you believe in the new heavens and the new earth that God is going to create, there are going to be way more tomorrows. And so when the troubles of life begin to overwhelm us, uh, when the future looks bleak and when aging begins to make its presence known and our bodies begin to break down, don't lose heart. Because the best, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the best is yet to come. Heaven is real. The new earth is real. There is a life beyond this life. And so that's where we're going to pick it up on the reading that uh, Larry Dahl did this morning. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Outwardly, we're wasting away. Sure we are. You know, every day that you live, you're aging. You're getting closer to that day that you're going to die in this body. But then he says, even though we're wasting away outwardly in this body, that inwardly we're being renewed day by day. What does he mean by that? He's talking about your spirit. If you're a Christian and your hope is in God and you're looking ahead to the life to come, he said, that's what gives you hope. That's what keeps you chugging along. And so after writing these words at the end of chapter 4, 2 Corinthians 4, the Apostle Paul uh, says this. He says, for we know, and this is chapter 5, verse 1, that if our earthly tent, if the earthly tent we live in, and he's talking here about this body, okay, I'm touching my earthly tent right now. He said, if it is destroyed or torn down, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven. Now, think about this. He calls the body Touch your body, just like as you can you know, that This is a tent, okay? And uh, i got to tell you, I don't like tenting. Uh, my wife and I, when we go to like uh, our church camp uh, in August, uh, or we go camping, um, anything but a tent, okay? I don't like setting it up. I don't like taking it down and putting it, you know, back uh, in, in, you know, in its packaging and all that. I don't enjoy that process at all. I like to be off the ground. And, you know, that reminds me, this body is a tent, and when the Apostle Paul calls this body a tent, he's actually thinking back to the Old Testament tent of meeting, the tabernacle of God that they would set up when they were going through the wilderness, and they would set it up, and then they would worship God there. That's where the priests would go in, and they would make sacrifices and so on. Um, and so he's saying this body is like that. It's a temporary facility. It's just temporary. Um, but he said... Even though it breaks down, even though it's wasting away, he said, we 
look forward to that day when we're going to get a building from God. You know the Old Testament, that tabernacle that they set up and tore down? Eventually it became the stone temple that Solomon built. And he's saying it's kind of like that for us. This thing is temporary. This is practice. But then we will have a building from God, an eternal dwelling in heaven. And so he says, meanwhile, this is verse 2. He says, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. And so you say, well, what does that mean that we groan and that we're longing? Here's the point. In this life, every time you get sick, every time you get injured and you're in pain, that's your earthly tent groaning. Every time your memory fails you, that's you groaning. Every time you feel tired or sore or run down or burned out or stressed out, that's you groaning. But he said, you don't just groan. He says, we long for what is to come. And so the solution here is not to be liberated from, these, from the body. You know, that's what the Gnostics believe. That's G-N-O-S-T-I-C. The Gnostics were people who said the freedom is to be liberated from a body, to be a disembodied spirit, you know, a bodiless soul, so to speak. That's not the Christian concept at all. Um, and so Paul's hope was not to be a disembodied spirit. His hope was to receive a new, more perfect and lasting body so i have visited a lot of people um in my years and some of you have as well who are in hospice uh who are at the end of their days and i've seen I've, some of these people i've known well in the past some i've just seen photos of what they were like when they were young and i go to visit them and they look like a shell of their former self um and that's again a reminder that you know this tent is, is, is wearing out, but we have a building from God. And it's kind of interesting, though, if you knew what your future self was going to be, if you knew how good you were going to feel in your new body, and how glorious it would be, and how handsome or beautiful you might look, you're still going to be you. If you knew that, that would fill you with hope and anticipation for what is to come. And, and it's kind of interesting. We are now, really, we're just a shadow of our future self. Um, and so it's like our resurrection body will be um, an upgrade. It's going to be an upgrade. It's going to be like, so Pastor Blaine McLeod, many of you know him. It'll be like Blaine McLeod 2.0. He's going to look like this. You know, this is this this will be him. Um, <laughs> anyway, so it's interesting in the life to come that things are not going to be they the way they are now in this life, and that's what verse four is about. He says, while we're in this tent in this body, we groan, we're burdened, and we don't want to be unclothed, but we want to be clothed. So he's saying we don't want to be disembodied or like a, you know, a bodiless spirit. He said we want to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Isn't that interesting? What is mortal, this is mortal, it'll be swallowed up by life on that day. And it's kind of like this. It's like a, there's a metamorphosis that is going to take place. Now we know what a metamorphosis is. It, uh, I, I mentioned the other week that I don't like caterpillars. They're really creepy. They're gross, especially if you're having a salad and you see it crawling on your salad, you know. Uh, but butterflies are wonderful, and that's what, this is a metamorphosis, is when a caterpillar, creepy caterpillar, turns into this beautiful butterfly. You are a caterpillar. I'm a caterpillar. Uh, right now, maybe we're kind of creepy. I mean, if we, our future self could look back, we'd say we're kind of creepy. But it's going to be marvelous on that day. So the Apostle Paul, he's not worried about death. He actually says, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. It's actually profitable 
for me to die because he's a life down here is kind of hard. His life was really hard. Um, he wasn't worried about death. The burden that he groaned under was not the fear of death, and it shouldn't be for you either. The burden that weighed him down was not the fear of death, it was separation. The idea that, that he might be separated from his body forever. That was his scariest thought, was to be a disembodied spirit. That's why, Christians, we do not teach the immortality of the soul. We teach the resurrection of the body, and the soul goes with it. Then he says this in verse 5, Now the one who fashioned us for this very purpose is God, and he's given us his spirit as a down payment or deposit, guaranteeing this life to come. And now he's saying God has fashioned us for this very purpose. What purpose? For the purpose that you would one day be fully adopted. Right now you're adopted as one of his children if you're a Christian. You're, a, you're, you're his daughter or his son in the faith. But our adoption is not complete. It says in Romans 8.23, you can read it, until we receive the redemption of our bodies. That's the very purpose for which we have been fashioned. So, folks, the word that we use for that is corporeal, okay? It's like corporal punishment means it's physical. Corporeal, it's physical. We will have renewed, redeemed bodies that will never grow old, get sick, get injured, or die in a renewed earth. That is a real hope. Um, and so the purpose for which God created us is not simply the forgiveness of our sins. And it's not simply the salvation of our souls. That's what we say. No, it goes even beyond that. It's the redemption of your body. And so he's saying here, right now, if you've experienced the blessing of God's Holy Spirit in your life and you've enjoyed his presence in your life, you've experienced his glory, he's saying you've tasted of the age to come. And he said, that's God's guarantee to you that there's more coming. And so then he says this. And I, anyway, I, I just want to read this. That's why he says at the end of chapter 4, that's why we do not lose heart. See, even though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. How are you being renewed? Even though your body is breaking down, you might be sick, you might be old, he's saying you're being renewed in your spirit through God's Holy Spirit who is in you. And that is God's preview of what is to come when your whole spirit, soul, and body will be preserved blameless on that day and you will be made new in every way in a renewed earth. And then he says this in verses 6 and 7, therefore we're confident. He says we're confident. We suffer in this life. It's hard in this life, but we're, we don't lose our confidence in what is to come because we know that as long as we're at home in this body, we're away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. <clears throat> It's kind of interesting. Uh, there's anybody who's immigrated to Canada. Uh, Canada is still considered one of the best places to live on earth. You know, people who come from uh, war-torn countries that are maybe stricken with uh, poverty and famine, um, you know, and, and when they're trying to come to Canada, you know, what do you think they're doing? They're dreaming of what it's going to be like. You know, they're looking at a better city. They're looking at a better country. They're looking for a better life for themselves and their children and their children's children. They're dreaming of it. They have a vision of it. They're fixing their eyes not on what is seen. That's what it says at the end of chapter 4. What is seen is the life, the squalor they're living in right now. But what they're fixing their eyes on is what is to come once they immigrate. We're immigrating. We're going to move on to a better city, a better country. And that's why he says a second time, he says, we're confident, I say. We'd prefer to be away from this body, not any body, but this body, and to be at home with the Lord. In the meantime, we live by faith. 
Just like those people who live in a foreign country and they want to come here. They, they live by faith in the hope that one day they will get here. That's how we live in the present time. And what do we fix our eyes on? Not the here and now, but the there and then. And so then he says in verse 8, we're confident we prefer to be away from the body. It's kind of interesting. Right now we live as exiles. Our home is the home God is preparing for us. Our home is heaven, the new heavens, the new earth, the renewed earth, the new creation. That's home. We're away from home right now, folks. We're, we're living here as exiles. You know, sometimes when you're groaning, when you watch what's going on politically, when you watch what's just going on socially, socioeconomically, like just everything is just, in our world right now, it seems so unstable, and you groan, that's a reminder to us that right now, we're away from home. Last week, I, I, I spoke on Isaiah chapter 65, and he was talking about the people of Israel coming out of Babylonian exile, coming back to their homeland. And he said, it's going to be so good when you get back there, if you will just follow me, God was saying, and obey my commands. And um, they had this, you know, this hope that things would one day get better. They were in exile, but they were looking ahead to coming home. Um, and so the day will come when we're going to trade exile for homecoming. The day is going to come. So I've got to pause here because implicit in this passage that I'm preaching on today is this idea of, wait a minute, you've said, and this passage is saying, that we will not be disembodied spirits. We will exchange this tent, this broken down, dilapidated tent for a house, so to speak, a new body in heaven. But we know the resurrection of the dead has not yet occurred because it won't happen until the uh, parousia, which is like the return of Christ. Christ hasn't returned yet. You say, well, what happens then to Uncle Fred, who was a Christian, and he's died? Where is he now? Because the resurrection hasn't happened. He hasn't got his new body yet. So what's, what's going on in the meantime? And so people talk about the intermediate state. They talk about a soul sleep. I did a podcast back in March, and it was right after um, a young girl in our church, Evelyn Roy, had passed away. And I want to make it available. If you want to watch it, I just talked into a microphone for about 15, 20 minutes about this very issue. Um, and so I'm going to make it available. But here's the point, and the short story of it is this. We don't need to worry about what happens. Because all Paul says in the Bible, the Apostle Paul, he says to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. So in terms of the timing of all this, it doesn't matter. Because you're still going to be with the Lord. And the way I look at it is the moment you take your last breath to the mo in this life and to the moment you take your first breath in the next life, you're not even going to know that maybe 100 years went by. For you, it won't matter. So I just say to people, you know, don't, don't worry about it. So then he says this, you know, verses 9 and 10. He says, so we make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it. He says, you know, we're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that we can receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now, I'm going to talk about that just in closing. But he's saying here, we're all going to appear before Christ's judgment seat. He's talking about a day of judgment for Christians. And so a day is coming when you're going to receive your heavenly dwelling, your new bodies, and you're going to live forever on a renewed earth, and every day will be a wonderful, delightful, extremely good, very satisfying day for you, for eternity. So when Paul tells us to fix our eyes on what is unseen, that's what he's saying. That's what I want you to think about. But he also knows that that hope that we have of what is to come should transform how we live today. It should make a difference in how we live. That's why Paul said, make it your goal 
to please him. If this is our hope, that, that coming kingdom, wow. Like the new body on a renewed earth. He said, it should change how you think and live today. So here's the action plan for this message. And if you were to, I'm going to just pull from other parts of Corinthians because Paul wrote this letter to the Christians in Corinth. First of all, speak boldly. And what I mean is by your life, by how you live, and by how you talk. Proclaim your faith boldly. Do not be ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of those who believe. Second thing, so speak boldly. Second thing is never give up. That's why in 2 Corinthians 4.16, he says, do not lose heart. Because what you see around you, everything here is temporary. Your body is temporary. This earth as it is now is temporary. Everything's going to be renewed. You're going to be renewed. The earth will be renewed. Everything's going to be redeemed. So don't give up. And the third thing is, live with the end in mind. That's why in verse 10, he says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Live with that in mind. So, here's the thing that scares me. Not death. Because I know I'm going to be united with my new body in a renewed earth. What scares me um, is not having an opportunity to complete the work that God has given me to do. To have an unfinished mission in life. If anything scares you, that should be what it is. I began this message with the words, think of the best day of your life. If you could live that, um, if it could be that good every day, would you want to live forever? I mean, if it really could be that good, no injury, no sickness, no disease, no violence, no tears, no sorrow. So I know that we've got a lot to look forward to. I've got a lot to look forward to. What scares me is to not have the opportunity to finish the work that God has given me. One day, I and you will stand before God's Bema, B-E-M-A. That's the judgment seat. In the ancient world, people were brought before the court of Rome, and the magistrate would pronounce sentence. The apostle Paul stood before the magistrate when he was in Corinth. Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate. Um, but in our land, there are lower courts and there are higher courts, and then there's the Supreme Court. But then there's the real Supreme Court, the judgment seat of Christ, that we will all stand before one day. And no one, including believers, can escape it. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says this, nothing in all creation is hidden from his sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before his eyes to whom we must give an account. Everything in our lives will be uncovered and laid bare. And you know what? He's not talking about salvation here. If you're a Christian, you're saved. You're going to be, you'll receive your new body on the renewed earth. He's talking here about your ministry. He's talking here about your works. And he says, they will be tested. There's going to be, we don't like to hear this as evangelicals, but there's going to be a performance review. And so what he's saying is there's going to be different rewards depending on our performance review. Study the passage and there's others like it. So we're on this earth now for one reason. We're on this earth now for one reason. To please the Lord. Everything else that we do in our life, our career, our job, our families, everything else orbits around that one reason, is to please the Lord. And so I want to please Him for two reasons. One is because I know that He's prepared this good life, the best life that I can ever know, with a new body in a renewed earth. That motivates me. But the second thing that motivates me is the fear of the Lord. We don't hear about that a lot, but it's in the Bible, it's in the book of Acts, it's in the New Testament, but we often don't hear about it. 
In verse 11 here in this passage, 2 Corinthians 5, he says, the fear of the Lord actually motivates me, Paul says. Because I know one day I will be asked to give an account. So if you want to share in the life to come, start investing now. My wife and I started investing in RSPs a little bit late, but I think we were in our early 30s because we were looking to our retirement. We wanted to be able to retire well. Some people have a better retirement. Retirement can be good, but sometimes it's better. It's, what he's saying here in this passage is begin with the end in mind. Think about where you're headed and invest. Now, why did Jesus say, do not lay up treasure on earth? Lay up treasure in heaven. What did he mean by that? He's saying every decision you make today is going on ahead of you. So begin with the end in mind. And so let me just end with this. If you thought that the life that you're now living is about you, it's not about you. It's not about your goals and your dreams. It's about pleasing the Lord. And one day it will be worth it all. Your life is not your own. You're here for a purpose, not to please yourself, but to please the Lord. It's time for all of us to wake up, to be roused from our slumber, and do the will of God. That's what this passage should inspire us to do. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the hope that is so clear in this passage and others like 1 Corinthians 15, about the resurrection of the body. But Lord, I thank you that the hope that we have is real. It's not vague. We're not going to be disembodied spirits floating around in the middle of nowhere. We're going to come back in a renewed earth with redeemed bodies. And it will be as if the best day of our life, it'll be that good for eternity and I know it seems like a pipe dream Lord but it's true thank you Lord that you made this possible may we put our hope in you may we live in a way that pleases you may that be our ambition and as our heads are bowed would you do these three things that I talked about earlier would you speak boldly live boldly without shame in the name of Jesus would you do it number two don't give up don't lose heart Don't let discouragement defeat you because you know something better is coming if you will hold on. And number three, live with the end in mind. Would you do that? Would you fix your eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen? For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen, the coming kingdom, the new earth, is eternal. Thank you, Father, for this time together today. And now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you.